Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. I worked as a police dispatcher for nine years of my life. It's a career that takes a level of mental fortitude that I don't think many possess. I used to hate saying stuff like that. Always thought it sounded so pretentious. But the truth is, it takes a special type of person to be willing to voluntarily listen to some of the things we have to hear every single day. Don't get me wrong. The job wasn't always grim, and it even had its decent moments. I've got enough decently funny prank 911 call stories to last me several lifetimes. Though the reality of the job was usually far darker. I understood that though, and felt that I was more than equipped to deal with anything the job could throw at me. I was right for a while. For years, I had answered every call, always able to keep a steady head despite being faced with some horrific situations, my confidence in my ability to handle the job unwavering. Until the final call I ever took as a police dispatcher. I glanced at the time displayed at the corner of my computer screen. 11.43. I yawned, leaning backward in my chair and arms extended as I stretched back. I'd been at my desk since 3 in the afternoon, answering calls and dispatching officers as they were needed, which wasn't even very often in this town. I lived in a little port town in Washington, about an hour or so out of Seattle, and though we weren't without our fair share of crime, our phones never rang off the hook, which meant a lot of free time for me. I was always okay with that. As soul-wrenching as many of my calls could be, moments of respite were always more than welcome. A notification on my screen caught my attention, and in an instant, I returned to my seat headset on. 911, what is your emergency? I spoke into my headset as automatically as any line repeated hundreds or thousands of times can be spoken. For a moment, the line was only dead silent before I heard a reply. I need policemen. I think somebody's in my house. A child whispered from the other line. I felt the smallest of knots beginning to form in my stomach. I shifted in my seat. Do you know your address? I asked, adopting a firm but lighter tone in response to the caller's age. I heard shuffling and heavy breathing from the other end, followed by a faint, Wait. The caller returned and whispered their address. She was a little girl by the sounds of her voice, and she sounded scared. Good job. What about your phone number? The process repeated, 
and I quickly relayed her information to dispatched officers. Her address was on the edge of town, a little out of the way, and I understood that it may be a while before help arrived. I shuffled aside, not wanting to vocalize my worry as I received an estimated arrival time. Is there an adult with you in the house? I continued. No. The little girl replied breathlessly, and I could hear the anxiety rising in her voice as she spoke. My mom works late, and my sister, I... There was a pause, followed by an audible sniffle. She's camping with their friends, and... Somewhere on her end of the line, there was a crash, then a scream. My heart dropped. Are you still there? Are you all right? There was a repetitive thumping sound followed by a slam of the door. I'm here. The little girl spoke breathlessly into the phone. Are you all right? I repeated the question. Yes, was all she replied, barely above a whisper. Her tone worried me. She sounded more than afraid. Sad. No, disturbed was the proper word for it. Then she began to cry. Not as quiet as you would expect given in her situation, but a deep, helpless sob that made my heart sink. When she spoke, it stopped altogether. Please, please, please help me. Her sobs turned into a hysteric cry, and I could hear loud, repetitive thumping from on her end. Footsteps, and they were clearly not hers. They were heavy, far too heavy to be a little girl's. Without warning, a shrill cry, like the sound of a microphone feedback, rang through my headsets. The sudden assault on my ears caused me to jump, and my heart set off to racing like a jackrabbit. I fought the instinct to throw my headset off and instead clenched my eyes shut as the noise faded as suddenly as it had came. I saw it. She sputtered through sobs. Oh, please, please, I don't know what it is. The frantic and frenzied nature of her begging increased and a strangeness began to settle in in the air that I couldn't quite place. A quick glance around the room confirmed that most of the desks that were around me were empty, and that I was on call alone. The thought made me feel very isolated, and a growing uneasiness continued to take a hold of me that I couldn't place. Something about the call just felt wrong. Police are on their way, I began. I tried to infuse the statement with my usual level of assertiveness and confidence, but I worry that the uneasiness may be audible in my voice. Can you tell me your name? I asked. Amber. All right, Amber. Are you or can you get somewhere safe? A room with a door you can lock? I'm in my room, she said through sniffles and it was obvious that she had been crying profusely. I, I locked the door. Good. I'm going to stay with you on the line. Is there anywhere for you to hide? The sound of footsteps grew in the background as her voice lowered to a whimper. I think under the bed? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. She whimpered. Okay, is there... I paused, thinking over my words before continuing. Anything you could use to protect yourself. There was a silence on her end for a moment, followed by a hushed, Yes. As she dropped the phone, I assumed to get a weapon. The clamor from within the house had grown closer to the phone, and the piercing ringing sound had returned. I was almost certain that there had to be something wrong with my headset or with Amber's phone, and the sound grew to an almost unbearable extent, matching only by deafening thuds from somewhere on the phone. It sounded too close. I could feel the hairs begin to rise on the back of my neck, and the ominous sense of fear began to give way to an unexpected fear. The urge to look over my own shoulder grew hard to fight, as the persistent thudding sound grew louder, nearer. It all sounded too clear, I guess. There was no static, none of the white noise typical of the phone call. Nothing. Just the sound of footsteps approaching closer. Closer. I gave in to my instinct, whipped around in my seat, nearly losing my headset. No one. I had no time to settle my nerves as Amber returned to the line. Are you there? She whispered, yanking me from my fog and back into the moment. Yes, I replied. I struggled to shake off my fears. Something was very wrong with this situation. Despite my worries, I shifted my attention back to Amber. I... there isn't any weapon, the girl muttered, but... I have something. There was a pause. Uh, Okay, what do you have? I asked, realizing my prompt was necessary. Uh, A rabbit. A pink rabbit, she said. And even over the phone, I could hear a little embarrassment. My dad gave her to me when I was little. He, He said she would keep me safe. I didn't know what to say for a moment, but didn't want to miss a beat. He was right, I said, as encouragingly as I could. Everyone knows pink bunnies are great protection. Can you go back under? I was interrupted. Amber, I miss you. I could hear a man call from within the house. So the intruder knew her. I furrowed my brow. Amber, do you recognize that voice? I asked, hoping she could identify the intruder. There was a silence for a moment before her response. It... it sounds like my dad. Why does it sound like my dad? I blinked. What do you mean? That's my dad's voice. Why does it have my dad's voice? I didn't know how to respond to that. Hell, I didn't know what to think. Had his voice? 
Before I could ask what she meant, we were interrupted by a sound. The thing we heard had taken me years to try to understand. I've come to believe it was that things laugh. At the time, though, we couldn't know. It was the sound of metal crunching in a car accident as it met flash, a wet, grinding shriek that shook me to my core. I wanted to vomit, and my vision began to blur. I could only imagine what it was like for Amber, hearing that all in person. Amber, I panted, my senses returning to me all at once. She barely had time to respond before we heard it. A voice, or voices, calling for her from everywhere nearby. They all spoke as one, all with the same odd inhuman nature dripping with malintent. Amber. My blood froze. Amber began to cry, and her cries eventually became pleas, as she begged for help her life, her mother, and my intervention. Five. Five more minutes. Just five more minutes, I muttered, mentally cursing the timer which displayed the estimated arrival time of the dispatched officers. I prayed it would be soon enough. It's outside the room, she whispered, her voice one of utter panic before breaking into a quiet sob. I silently swore under my breath. Amber, I need you to hide right now if possible. The police are three minutes away. Stay as quiet as possible. There was no response, but I assumed from the shuffling sounds I could hear that she had gone back under the bed. For a few moments there was silence, then Amber spoke and my heart dropped. I'm going to die. You're not going to die, Amber, I began, worry now audible in my voice. I promise. It, it's reaching under the door. Oh my god, she muttered. There was a crash, louder than before, and Amber began to shriek. The noises continued, and it began to dawn on me what I was hearing. It was breaking down the bedroom door. Amber's screams had developed into horrified babbling and pleas for her life to whatever it was on the other side of that door. Her screams were soon drowned out by the same noise as before. That sick freaking laughter. <laughs> what are you? Amber shrieked, loud enough to make my ears ring. Please, what are you? What are you? It mocked, in a voice that was some sick parody of Amber's. Panic gripped me as I glanced back at the corner of the monitor displaying the dispatched unit's arrival time. One minute, thirty-six seconds. Please, God, let it be soon enough. Amber, are you there? I called. Amber? As suddenly as it had started, everything went silent. Somewhere in the distance, I heard sirens. I hear them, Amber. 
Officers are a minute away. Silence. My heart began to sink. Amber, are you there? I could hear something shifting, breathing. I, I think it's gone, Amber said. A surge of relief rolling through me, and I let out a sign and leaned back into my chair. 27 seconds on the dispatch read, and the sirens in the background grew louder. You did very well, Amber. Police are almost there. You did really well. I couldn't think of what else to say. I had never had a call like this, and something about all of it felt so strange. Something Amber had said beginning to ring in my mind. What are you? Amber, I began, what did you see? I was met with silence. Amber? Amber began to laugh. <laughs> Amber? I asked, my voice pleading, a wave of realization crashing down on me. The laughter grew more ruckus and less human with every second. Somewhere in the background, there was a knocking sound. They had finally arrived. Too late. I asked the only thing I could think at the moment. Why? The laughter stopped abruptly as the thing on the phone spoke. It was fun. There was a click, and the line went dead. The house was empty when the officers arrived. No signs of forced entry anywhere except the door to Amber's bedroom the bottom of which was torn away by something, leaving a wide space to crawl beneath. And Amber, or what was left of her, decorated the room. Whatever had been there left nothing behind to identify it. Only carnage. The case was never officially closed, and everyone had their theories as to what happened that day, ranging from serial killers to a bear attack, and everything in between. The call was never made public, not my decision, but not one I necessarily complained about either. I never wanted to hear that recording again. I put in my two weeks notice that same night, though I never returned to work after that day. I had been content to try and forget about that call. As crazy as it may sound, I was content trying to forget about Amber, to forget whatever I had spoken to on that phone. But I don't think it's done with me. Last night I dreamed, or had thought I was dreaming, the sounds of footsteps running all throughout my house, as something screeched and laughed and mocked me just outside my bedroom door. I stayed in my bed long into the morning despite the sounds having stopped, paralyzed by a mixture of fear and confusion, until eventually... I convinced myself to leave the bed. I crossed the room, cursing every creak in the floor made under my weight. I lowered myself to the ground, holding my breath as I peered under my bedroom door. There was something there, but it wasn't moving. I mustered up the little bravery I had left and rose to my feet, 
my eyes shut tight and a prayer on my lips. I pulled open my bedroom door slightly and stuck my head out just enough to see what laid outside. I stumbled a gasp, and tears flooded my eyes as I bent over to pick up the object. Placed right outside my door was a little pink bunny covered in dark stains. From somewhere within the darkness just beyond the bedroom door, Amber's laughter echoed. <laughs>